Good morning. My name is Rocky. I'm here with my wife today, and I'm going to be reading the uh, Old Testament reading, which comes from uh, Genesis 3, verses 8 through 10. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. The word of the Lord. Good morning. My name is Elena, and the New Testament reading today is found in Ephesians 5, 8 through 14. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. The word of the Lord. Hi, my name is Rebecca. Please stand for the gospel reading found in 1 John 1, 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The Gospel of the Lord. You already know this, but you may be seated. Hello, church. How is everyone on this fine day? Good. I'm a little nervous. Um, thanks for being here. I know it's because we have this common faith in God. Um, I want to I open up with just a little brief introduction of me and uh, some questions that I get and then just explaining a little bit about who I am um, beyond the normal what you hear or see of me if you don't know me already. So question number one that I usually get is, you're the announcements guy, right? The answer is yes, and so much more. So, uh, I, yes, I do, um, and I appreciate your graciousness every week with those announcements. And I, just who I am, my name is Evan Riedahl. I have the blessing and pleasure of being the associate pastor here at New Life Downtown. I was born in the lovely state of California. Uh, <laughs> Until all you gracious Coloradans welcomed us over here to the promised land. And, and uh, yeah, that happened about fourth grade-ish, and I've grown up here ever since. I went to Lewis Palmer Elementary, and then Lewis Palmer Middle, and then Lewis Palmer High School. Uh, the ducks were in the row, and I graduated in 04. And in case you're doing the math, that means I am 28. Uh, thank you for that graciousness of listening to me as well today. Um, after high school, actually it was in high school, that the Lord really really grabbed my heart and just gripped me, and um, there's an experience later on that I'll explain, but he just became so personal to me that life could never be the same, and it, could, it, just, it was changed forever after that. And as part of that, as I approached graduating high school, coming into college, um, there was the half of the friends who decided that it would be a great idea to go to state school university somewhere with 40,000 students, and the most exciting thing was, who am I going to room with? And that just terrified me, like, 
don't care. Like, and scary, and 40,000 people. The other half were going to YWAM, and that terrified me equally as much, if not more, because I had, you're going somewhere where you don't know, with people you don't know, and it was all just overwhelming to me. And so I got to senior year, and ended up going to this one-year Bible school right afterwards called Cape and Rain. And it is in the beautiful country of England, and I got to live in what can be uh, described as Downton Abbey for a year and study the Bible. It was tough, but it worked out really well. The year, uh, as that year ended, I came um, to another conclusion of, what am I going to do next year? And I still had no idea. So I went to the University of Northern Colorado, which is a fine place if you have no idea what you want to do, because it, for me, quickly had me realize that's not what I wanted to do. <laughs> and um, it was in that year that the Lord really, really showed me um, the, the hunger and the love and the longing that he had seeded in me to study the word of God and to study theology and to do Bible schooling um, full-time. And lo and behold, you can actually do that. Who knew? For, for centuries now, people have been studying the Bible as their college degree. So um, I, ser- I researched, I looked around, and ended up going to this one-year Bible school in Portland, Oregon called Multnomah. Um, thank you. And yes, Multnomah. I went to Capron Ray and then Multnomah, making it easy for all of you to remember and pronounce what my history is. And uh, at Multnomah, some wonderful, wonderful things happened. Um, I fell in love with the Lord even more so and got kind of kicked out of some um, youthful zeal into actually not just revelation, but wisdom and revelation. And those things went hand in hand. I found a beautiful wife named Karen. If you know her, she's amazing and lovely. Um, and when I say I found, I mean the Lord's graciousness overwhelmed her to liking me at that 19-year-old state. Um, if you know me now, just think of like less cool me then and way geeky. And it was great. The first time she met me, I was in YMCA summer camp mode as a counselor. And she's like, who is this guy? And thankfully, there was another three years of college together to work out who I was. So we got married. Um, and I graduated in 2009, became a youth pastor. She graduated in 2010. We got married and moved back here to Colorado where the sun shines all the time. And the vitamin D was soaked up and um, it was good. And uh, it was in that process I got a job at Starbucks, which was fantastic. I may have been your barista. If you were sitting there going, do I know you from somewhere else? It's possibly that. Then I started working at the, uh, the wonderful Focus on the Family with the Adventures and Odyssey department, which all of us... <laughs> Oh, yes, this is so true. Most of us, uh, we graduated uh, college because we listened to Odyssey growing up and we knew our Bible really well. And I, oh, yeah, I remember that. And Witt said, and Eugene, great. So we did that. And then um, it was during that time that Glenn, we had moved back and instantly... um, fell in love with what was happening, what was then the New Life Sunday night service that Glenn was leading when it was a wee 150 or 200 people, and um, just started plugging in, and it was about a year, two and a half years ago that Glenn asked me, if this downtown thing doesn't start and then tank, which it hasn't, y'all are a testimony of the Lord's work here, um, would you be interested in coming on staff? And the answer was yes, and then a year later, it actually happened. So, um, So that's a brief history of who I am. Um, what I want to talk to y'all, with y'all about today, is just really my heart and what the Lord has done in me, shown me, taught me over the years, um, through experience, through his word, things that he's revealed, and all of those, um, just the goodness of the Lord that I've seen in my life, and just share it with you. So let us pray as we enter into this time, and just to see the Lord in this time. Lord, 
we love you and we thank you. I thank you that you are with us today, that you are the one who indwells your church, that spirit, you are the one that, that, who is at work, that you go before and you prepare our hearts to receive the truth, that it may take root in us, that we might respond, and that it would bear fruit a hundredfold to your glory. So I ask now, make me a vessel. Make this happen in me. Let, let me be your mouthpiece of your truth, Lord. And that today, as the church, your people, whom you fill and indwell, we would continue to grow up as the body and to Christ, who is the head. We praise you and thank you for these things. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you have your Bibles, which I'm sure all of you brought them on your cell phones, you may turn to Ephesians 5, because we're going to pretty much plant there for most of the day. In the good book of Ephesians, I love, and this is, again, just from my heart to you guys. If you go down, verse 8, and this is the New Testament reading. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. Skip down to 13. When anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. And anything that becomes visible is light. I'm going to read that again. When anything that is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. And anything that becomes visible is light. And church, my word that I, I, I want to bring today, the word that God has revealed to me in the scripture and that I have taken on and he has encountered me with, is this call for us as his church, as his people, as his body, to be visible. You were darkness, you are light. And the kicker, the the thing that he says in there of how do we get from A to B, how do we work this out? If this truth is true because of what Jesus has done on the cross, how do we work it out? And the reality of that is by becoming visible is what he says. You were darkness. Anything that is darkness that becomes visible is light. And I want to say right there is where the tension in this sermon comes because for most of us, if there is darkness, it's because one, we don't want people knowing, two, because we've refused to show, or three, it's yes, I'm in Jesus, but I got this little thing that I just not ready to have be seen yet. And it's this thing that, that causes fear in our lives. And there's this transforming work that God has done in us, is doing in us, will continue to do this in us. It is that whole justification, sanctification, working out of our faith. And he is calling us to be light. This is our identity in Christ. And yet this fear creeps in that keeps us in darkness. And I want to pose a few questions and practice these things in two ways. What is God's work? It's making us light. This is what he's done. I have come that you have been saved. It's through grace you have been saved. All these things. What does it take? It takes us being visible. What is our response to that so often? It is fear. Lord, I know what you're calling me to, but, but I am afraid. And for a moment, I want to define what fear is, and see if we can see the hope that we have. Fear, it can be an emotion, yes. But in a bigger sense, I want to say fear, if we were to define it not by Webster, but by kind of how it works out in the scriptures and our lives, is an expectation based on past and present circumstances of what will happen. Again, fear, an expectation based on past and present circumstances, experiences, for something that is going to happen. And generally, it carries with it the negative connotation. I am afraid, I don't know, girls in the place, I'm afraid of spiders. 
It's my wife. She hates them. Evan, kill it. Okay. Man. Man up. Why are we afraid of spiders or snakes? These are small fears in life. Because based on what has happened in humankind, I could get bit. Therefore, I do not really want to be near them. I squirm a little bit. Based on what past and present circumstances is, this is what I'm expecting to happen. And so often in life, we see that outplaying in relationships and our relationship with God and all these things. But I want to say that God has come and he's brought such an answer to our fear. And it has the same exact definition. A confident expectation based on past and present circumstances on what is going to happen. And in the positive sense, when we're talking about it in in the person of Jesus and the way that life unfolds, we do not call it fear because it is not, I have this expectation of this bad outcome, but we call it hope. My confident expectation is based on past and present circumstances, I have a hope of what is to come. And I want to play this out and show us, just go through scriptures a little bit and then see this in our lives. And does this, uh, this New Testament reading too, right? Isn't this kind of where it starts? We read it, Adam in the garden. He hid from the Lord. Why? Because I was afraid. Why? Maybe Adam has some legitimacy there. What is the Lord going to do with the darkness that I have just, I have sinned, there is darkness. What is the Lord going to do? What is his response going to be? There's, there's no real prior confident expectation of something that has happened for what's going to happen. So he's afraid. I don't know what's going to happen. So I hid from you, Lord. And how often in our lives do we have this thing too when God is coming and searching and calling and running after us that we say, Lord, I don't really know what's going to happen when this darkness becomes visible and therefore I'm afraid. I'm afraid of what will be. And in that, Jesus has responded in a most wonderful way by giving us hope. If our hope is a confident expectation based on what has happened, past and present circumstances, experiences on what will happen, We have this hope in Jesus that declares when your darkness becomes visible, there needs no fear in that. There needs be no fear of what's going on because, and I will say this, church, because of the expectation we have of who Christ is and what he has done. I'm just, I don't want to preach it as in like, man, we have darkness, but it's, if we just think, Man, Lord, there is stuff. And it is so hard for me to bring it into the light because I have this fear. I don't know what you're going to do with this. And I think the fear is this definition of you are darkness. The hope that the scriptures give us is that because of Jesus, he says here in Ephesians 5.8, you were darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. So live and walk as children of the light. And in that, he goes down in verse 13. Let's read this again. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. And at that point, we still have to unwork this thing in our hearts that say, Lord, I'm afraid of that visibility. I'm afraid of being seen. I don't want you, much less anyone else, to really see this darkness. And his response is, my child, you have been redefined by my son. I'm going to read off some statements of our redefinition as we are in Christ. We were darkness, but in Christ, he says, you are light. We were counted as unholy, 
But in Christ, he says, in me you have been made holy. We fear that we are unlovable. But he says, Jesus says, you are my beloved. We fear rejection. We have this expectation based on past and present circumstances. Lord, if I show you my darkness, if I make visible that which is in me, will I be rejected? Because I've experienced that before. And in Christ, he says, you are mine, fully accepted. We fear our own guilt. And Jesus' response is, I have paid your pardon. There is this moment. I want to share myself even as I'm sharing theology because these are things that I've experienced. They're things in me. It was teenage years when I first fell in love with the Lord. We were at this prayer class. The question was asked last week, are we really a charismatic church? Well, this prayer class I went to was definitely one of those charismatic church moments. And there was, the I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the fire line where there's people lined up and people walk between them and they pray and then the Lord does stuff. Okay, well, neither had I. So I was standing there in this room watching this happen. And I, the first time I'd ever been in this experience before. And my dad was with me. And I'm watching what happens. And my dad kind of pulls me to the side and he says, Evan, I just want you to watch what's going on and ask the Lord what he is doing. That is wisdom right there. Okay. So I'm standing in the corner of the room watching what's going on. Lord, what is, what is going on? What is your spirit doing? And for, I can tell you now, but for the point, an unexplicable reason, I just start weeping. Nobody's praying for me. Nobody's talking to me. Nobody's touching me. I am just weeping in the presence of the Lord. And that weeping leads to, again, are we a charismatic church? Yes. First time, and maybe one of the only times, I've actually, like, kind of succumbed under the weight and glory of the Lord and fallen. So now I'm just, like, curled up in the fetal position, weeping. And I've been able to describe this experience in hindsight as saying it is the first time in my life where I really had a true understanding of who God is and the personalness that he is. And it was as though his spirit came in contact with my spirit and tears were the results. Because it was this redefinition of God, you are not simply a Holy Spirit as though it is your title, but you are a spirit of holiness. It is who you are. And your holiness coming in contact with my unholiness is just kind of freaking me out. And I'm in tears right now. But in that moment, there is this grace of the Lord that says, yeah, you were darkness, but look at this. In me, you are light. And I'm imparting that to you. In the same time, I was crying for, I kid you not, like 45 minutes, just curled up on the ground, bawling my eyes out. And that same time, it was this, Lord, I have all this rejection that I kind of carry with me. This is darkness. I don't share it with anyone. It's the kind of stuff I just hold. And he's going, in the presence of my light, it is visible. And who I am is encountering and engaging with who you are. And that is causing rejection just to melt away in the presence of my acceptance. Lord, what about all these insecurities? Yes, and me You have complete security of who you are. Your darkness has no place in me. God, he declares in his word that God is darkness. In him there is, God is light. In him there is no darkness. It is that when we become visible, when we turn to God and let anything within be exposed into the light, he will affect it with according 
according to who he is and who his son is. And that is the darkness, who we were, that has been redefined into light. And it's when it becomes visible. Amen? Come on. The second part that I want to say, (laughs) as this plays out, and as it played out in my life, is that God's work is not merely just to say, I am bringing my presence, I am bringing my work, I am bringing my light, I am wanting you, the individual, to be visible, and you know what? It's you and me, just the two of us. We can make it if we try, just the two of us. (laughs) Oh, no, church. He says, in the midst of this, I am calling you to be the church knit together who is turning to one another and being visible with one another. I am calling you to be the church that turns and is visible, not just to me and my light, but recognizing my presence and my work filling one another and being the church that is knit together in that. And, oh golly, if we were afraid of being exposed and visible just to God, what is the expectation based on past and present circumstances when we become visible to one another? Oh, Evan, do you know the circumstances, the situations, the relationships, all of those things, the times I've been burned, the times that I have been rejected, the times that I have been just plain out, cussed out, sweared out, lied to, the times when there was no trustworthiness within the other person that I was engaged with. Do you know the hurt? Do you know what's going on? I might know some of it. I'm sure I don't know all of it. I might have experienced some of it. And yet, even then, our hope in God is in who he is. This is in Jesus and his work on the cross. Lord, based on what you have done, my past and present circumstances that I can see, the experience that I know, I look to the cross, I could see it. Based on that, I have a hope that is replacing the fear for how you're going to respond to me. Church, it's not just who God is, but it's also how he works that he's calling us to hope in. It's how he works that he's calling us to say, I will be seen. Why? Because I'm not just trusting God in what he has done. I'm trusting God in who he is and how he's doing it today. And church, that way is through the spirit indwelling his people within the church congregation. If there was fear, this is it. But the hope is that Christ is doing the first part, working in us, working out this salvation, replacing fear with hope transforming darkness into light, making brokenness whole, all of those things, but that he's doing it within us and through us, his people. His work is to make us a people knit together, his body. The fear is how are we going to respond to the darkness? How is the other person going to respond to the darkness within me? I'm not going to let that be seen. I know how they've responded before. Our hope is in who Christ is, that Christ has filled us with his work, his spirit, and that that spirit is the one that we then get to agree with and say, okay, Lord, transform me. Transform me because this is where you're at work and how you're working. Our response then, I'm going to say in this way, and this is where the rubber really hits the road, church. This is where meal groups come and play. This is where all of it happens is that we need to be a church of people who are being affected, one, 
by God transforming our darkness into light and all things maturing, right? If you look back in Ephesians 4, and I'll just read this to you real quick, until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, speaking the truth in love, to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which is it equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. God's work is to transform us, darkness to light, and that affects to happen. And it is in that place of vulnerability, in that place being the body saying, yeah, you're broken, but the only way that you're going to be made whole is if you are coming visible to one another and being knit together. If you share that darkness with one another, and then as a response, us church, we respond trustworthy. Not just saying, all right, Pastor Evan was talking about being visible to each other because that's how God is working. That's how I'm going to be encouraged. That's how he's building his body, his church. It's through one another. It's through the gifts, all these things. In that place, it's not just learning to trust, but it's learning to be trustworthy. It's learning to say, the person who is coming to me, I am so recognizing the way that God is working in my life that my first response to this, whatever darkness might be visible, is going to be grace. Church, I want to read these things too. What would happen? What would happen if when we let our visibility be made known to each other, if the response was love over shock? Hey, I just really want to share this, this dark thing. It's just, it's had a hold on me for 20 years. And the response was not, <gasps> I can't touch that. But God has already touched that. And I love you as Christ has left you. If our response was acceptance over rejection, if our response was care, actual care over indifference, if our response was grace over condemnation, I want to explain this out in part of my story too. And if you guys know me, it kind of, I mean, God started all that stuff being seen by him. But it's really taken effect, it's really taken hold and seeing the need that we have to be visible to one another and the strength and the work and the edification that the Lord provides in that through his church. 2009, worst year of my life. Work was hard, youth pastoring was hard, no support. My roommates, they were rubbish, more or less. It was just tough, it was already tough. But you know what? I had a mentor, and he would add strength to times when I felt weak. He would add wisdom to when I just didn't know. He would help me process out the things I couldn't figure out. He would help correct things that need to be corrected. His name was Dad. November 28th, 2009, Dad passed away. And I was broken. I was a guy in Portland. I was engaged, and I was broken. They talk about loss and sometimes death as this. It's like losing a limb and having to learn to walk without that limb. And I can understand that, but everybody grieves differently. And to me, it wasn't I lost a limb. Do you guys know that feeling, kind of? I'm going to set this up for you. When you bruise your shin, like not just the skin, but the bone, and whenever you put pressure on it, it hurts. It felt like someone took a sledgehammer and whacked both of my legs and my chest 
so that anything I did, any breath I took, any, any weight that I tried to do something new, anything, it just hurt. Six months later, we had the chance to get married. Finally, finally. Karen graduated, we got married, we moved back. And it was coming back to new life. It was coming back into a community that responded into this, wait, what happened? With a care. Where are you at? With acceptance. It was being visible in my brokenness to a community. Not everyone. Jesus had 12. He transfigured and became truly visible to three. But being a church where it's not just me, But if there is darkness, and I want to explain darkness in this moment, not as always just sin, but as in the things that we keep from someone else. That darkness is so often our brokenness because it's weakness. I moved back because I couldn't do it anymore. It took three-ish years to get to a point where I could even think about doing something like I'm doing today, where it wasn't me making coffee, or me sitting in a cubicle. That was fairly safe, but that was also a healing time. But what I found is the more that I let people in, the more I was visible, the more strength the Lord added unto me, the more healing the Lord added unto me. I no longer had the mentor to say, I need to process this relationship. But as I became visible, there were other men in life who the Lord put along and said, That's Evan, let's sit down. I'd love to care for you. I no longer had the strength to figure out how I was going to be a good husband. I, I was crushed. But there was other men in life who came and said, Evan, let me sit with you. Let me cry with you. Let's talk about how to love your wife. And it's not doing this, I'm on my own, I'm doing it by myself, but it's, Lord, I'm trusting my visibility with you, that your response to my darkness is your son. And in that, you count me as light. And you have counted me as light, and then you have said, and I have given you to the body. I have given the body to you. I have made it so that when you share your brokenness, when you share your darkness, as we are maturing in Christ, I'm going to knit you together. So if you are insecure, I'm going to add security through the words of someone else. If you are weak, I'm going to add strength. If you do not know how, I will add wisdom. If you are fearful, I will add grace and care for that. And I will change it. I will transform it so that your expectation isn't so much, Lord, I'm afraid because of what has happened. This is what's going to do. It's this, Lord, you're replacing my fear with hope. You're replacing my fear with hope because no longer is it I'm expecting based on something apart from you. But in you I have fullness and assurance of faith and hope that my darkness to you is light and that my weakness in you is addressed through the church that I might be made strong and that we together as a people might be made whole. This is why we do meal groups. This is why we do mentoring. This is why we do all those things. Because one, the Lord has done and we have great hope. This is why we come to the table every week. Isn't this the practice that we do every week? Lord, I'm going to confess my sin. I'm going to be visible. 
I'm going to come to the table. I'm going to receive that same grace that turns my darkness into light. This is my hope. This bread, this cup. And then I'm going to go to my seat and I'm going to pray with one another because you are not just at work in your people. You are at work through your people, building your kingdom, bringing the darkness into the light, adding strength, adding wisdom, adding hope, and all of these things. Church, we have a great hope in Christ, a hope that allows us to be visible with God and one another, and a hope that says, in Christ, he is transforming, has transformed our definition of darkness. We are light, and is transforming us as a church into a body with Christ as the head. We've come to the table now. I want to read from Colossians 1, our hope. So if we could, let's just close our eyes. As we prepare to come to this table, let's close our eyes and I just want to speak over you guys, read over you the word of God that describes who God is and who Jesus is so that as we come to this table, we have this hope in mind to be visible and that when we are visible, we are light. Colossians 1.15 He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. In him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether on earth or in heaven. This is our hope, Christ, making peace by the blood of his cross.